Well, good morning, CWC Life family. Awesome. Happy Father's Day to all of you fathers in the house, but also those that are joining online. All right. So I do have a series of questions that I'm going to be asking these fathers up here. Uh, but first, I just wanted to share that fathers are the foundation to every home. They are the bedrock to our families. Sadly, we're living in a fatherless generation where many times they are not present in our homes. It is important that we change this, especially as we navigate a world that is broken, that is lost, and even messy. But one thing we all have in common, no matter what kind of dad we have or have had, this is what we have, and we have a father in heaven. And regardless of how your father on earth has treated you, you have a father in heaven who has always, always been there and always will be for you as well. So I want to thank the men who are up here this morning giving us testimony to their role as father. So we appreciate your journey and the ability to speak on your experience with us. And so this morning we have Nate we have Santos and we have Jesse. So the yes. All right. The first question is how has becoming a father changed your life? I'm going to say that again. How has becoming a father changed your life? I'm the youngest, so I get the pink mic. I'm the youngest, so I'll go first. Um, I. You get less sleep, right? I, I don't believe everybody, but you, you get a lot less sleep. But honestly, for the better, um, it's a joy every day to have a, a baby to come home to as a new father. And um, it gives more purpose than I ever would have thought. Um, I knew I, you hear the good little jingles from everybody, but, yeah, I, I, to emphasize, you know, I have a deeper purpose and meaning. Yeah. There's excitement in the newness, yes. and so it's still unfolding as you speak. Yes. All right. Santos? Well, my experience, I'm going to speak based on not being a person of the house of God, because I didn't really come to God till recently. So um, I never had a, fa- a father figure, so I never knew how to be a father. So mine was more like a dad, I guess. Uh, well, I was, I was happy to be a dad. Didn't really know the role to take. So, uh, I think I let my wife do it. All right, so I apologize. Uh, It took a lot to understand what I needed to do, so I think I just focused it on uh, just work. Uh, just take my time and uh, and just work, provide. Um, I would come home and I would be happy to see my son and uh, eventually my daughter, but again, I um, never really understood how to uh, to do more than just be a, a dad. So I'll just say, guys, just appreciate your kids and give them the time that they need. But I was, I was happy to be a dad. Thank you. Thank you so much. And al- although you had no example, you started the example. And that is what matters is that you're breaking that generational 
curse, so to speak, so that you can start anew and that example that you have set as the foundation for your family. Jesse? Uh, when I became a dad, um, I, I immediately started thinking of all the plans, the hopes, and the dreams that I had for my kids because uh, I knew there was a plan for them, my own plans, and I knew that God had plans for them also. And so it uh, helped me to set expectations for myself as a father and expectations for my family and how we were going we to raise our kids. It helped me to uh, establish boundaries, uh, set goals for my kids, um, it really helped me to see that it was more than just me in this whole thing. Um, I, I have three kids, and each one of them, you know, every time it was something different. You know, the first one came, and I'm a very, uh, I'll talk about later, probably being overprotective at times. And I don't know, I've, I don't know if you can actually be overprotective as a dad, but uh, I was, I am very protective over my family, and I'm very loyal to my family also. So, in that sense, I. Uh, Fatherhood really uh, uh, has been a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Uh, my expectations were going to be like, I'm going to be the greatest dad ever, and we're going to, you know, teach them how to, you know, uh, love Jesus, and everything's going to be awesome, and I'm going to be blessed. And uh, that has happened, but it hasn't happened the way I thought it would. And it's a lot of a lot of challenging times with our kids uh, that help them to grow and that help us to grow as parents. And uh, that's the process. It is the process. And it's like, uh, you know, we do weddings or anything else where we say, you know, marriage is not a destination. It's a journey. In the same way as fatherhood and parenting, it's not a destination. It is a journey. And uh, I'll never never make it to that point um, because there's always something more that I need to learn. Awesome. So it's like, um, as you mentioned, as a father, you create that path. And you're hoping that your children will walk along with you in that path. But sometimes there are detours. And sometimes they come back to that path um, eventually. But yes, thank you. Awesome. So the second question is, how has busyness or work challenged your time as a father? And how have you dealt with this? So again, the busyness and work life of a father. And how have you dealt with those kind of situations? Back to the no sleep, uh, I've learned to have to just, if I want to get stuff done for myself, and we, we like to say mental health and all these things, you know, but, you know, times of, you know, having peace and for myself and happiness for myself, I've learned that i got to get up an extra hour earlier to do things necessary for me. And from that, you know, I'm able to give that unto others. So that's what's worked for me so far. Yeah. So starting with the self and then being able to work from there. Awesome. Santos? Uh, Business for me was I was always working seven days a week pretty much, but um, it just seemed to figure itself out when I had to be part of a coaching team for my son. Uh, It was just um, it just seemed like it just fell into place. But I always seem to find myself working seven days a week. And on the time of football season, soccer season, whatever it was, baseball, I was there. Um, I don't even know how, but it, it made itself possible. And I was proud of that. But uh, staying busy, focusing on what I needed to do for the family, and um, just proud of the fact that those times made itself available. And hoping that it kind of helped me be that father figure for my son as far as um, a coach as well. Awesome. Thank you. Again, being there in those uh, intimate moments or those moments where your children needed you the most and so being able to prioritize that uh, when the time came. Awesome. Jesse? Yes, life is very busy and uh, uh, changing jobs made it even busier. But... um, I always think about I, – I've, I've tried to be at a uh, – I've coached also with my kids growing up. I try to be there for all of their events, all the important events that uh, maybe it was important to them or maybe it was important to me, but I try to be there uh, every time. But I think about it, and I think about my dad, and, you know, I love my dad, and 
he would he never came to any of my games though i mean because he worked he worked from 4:30 in the morning till 4:30 uh in the afternoon uh, in the fields and i knew she, he, that he worked hard and i knew that he wanted to come home and just relax and i i knew that was established that was routine so when he came to one of my wrestling matches i was pretty excited that he came as a big deal so i i always think about that and i think you know what my dad never came to a lot of things that i went to but i still loved him i mean i loved him a lot and uh, he was a big deal in my life. Uh, so I'm thinking, you know, I've missed some things in my kid's life. And I said, you know, if I'm able to love my dad who didn't show up to all those things that I thought were important, you know what? I think my kids will be able to love me the same way that when I miss some of those things that maybe was important to them, but I just couldn't make it because of work. Um, because as fathers, we do have to work. We, you know, we're providing for our home and we're providing for those things. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to uh, give them the things that we didn't have. And that that goes from everything from material to spiritual and to uh, social emotional. And uh, so that's the, the hard stuff. The hard part of life is that it's hard. And uh, I always tell my kids, don't make it harder. It's already hard enough. Don't make it harder. And so that uh, we, we work around those things. But like I said, sometimes uh, it, you just can't make those events. But I still have faith that the Lord has all that covered and he's working all things for our good, and so I trust him with those things. Awesome. And thank you for sharing that. It reminded me of a book, which is The Five Love Languages. And so many times we, again, receive love in different ways. And so I was just like Jesse in terms of my parents didn't need to be at my events. I knew that they uh, supported me, encouraged me all the way whenever I had to go and speak or do events. And, but my brother actually still has scars from my parents not attending his baseball games or football games. And so we're all different. And and so we have to understand how we interact with our children. Uh, And so it's just, again, for me, I knew that the love was there already internally. But for my brother, it was just an emotional scar that still stays with him. And how about what is something that you have taken from your experience with your own father that has influenced your fatherhood? I'm going to say that again. What is something that you have taken from your own experience with your father that has influenced your fatherhood? And we'll start with Jesse. Oh, my, my dad, uh, very hard worker. That was the biggest part. He taught us uh, hard, good work ethics. Uh, he taught us don't just stand around and you better find something in your hand to do. You're not the guy that's going to be, you know, what, what is it? What's, I, you know, the word is like, is it flaco? Don't be, uh, I forget what it is. Don't be lazy. Uh, what is lazy? Floco. Flojo. Don't be flojo. No sea flojo, right? I think flaco is the name of a football player. Uh, so he would always tell us these things, and uh, he just had to look at you, and you knew, man, I better get to work. You know, I don't, I, so I, I knew that I need to get to work and have some good work ethic. Um, he also taught me uh, the importance of discipline, and um, I, he, uh, like again, he didn't have to say much. <laughs> you already knew you're going to get it. Uh, he disciplined me, and uh, there were times where I felt that it was wrong that he disciplined me. Of course, I was just a kid, and there was time I deserved it. So sometimes deserving, sometimes not deserving, but you know that's what dads are. Dads try to do their best, and the same way with me, I discipline my kids as best as I can. Still learning, like Santo said, we we weren't. You know, we, we're, no one ever really trains you to be a father. You, you're a father, and you start, you know, you start learning that way. And so, in disciplining my kids, I'm sure there's some times that I maybe uh, discipline them incorrectly. I doubt it, but I there might be some times. And then, but there's other times where, for the most part, it was good for them. It, it helped them raise up, and you know, they knew they knew what discipline was. So I think those two things, being a hard worker, uh, has gotten me kind of where we are now. And then disciplining my kids uh, so that they knew right from wrong and they could choose because it's always a choice you're either going to do this or you're going to do that and some of that was for safety natasha was like three years old when she went for the uh the, so- the wall socket to plug something into it that was like you know something and i told her no and she looked at me and i said don't do it and she walked over and then i just pushed her away and said don't do that second time she looked at me and she did it again and this time i swatted her hand and then the third time she did, I swatted it a couple more times, started crying. And I said, that, and she didn't do it anymore, but it's for the purpose of safety, right? She, I don't want you, you know, electrocuting or burning the house down, either one. So, and I just want to mention, because my youngest daughter, Isabella, says I'd never mentioned her in any stories. 
So I, I don't have a story quite yet for her, but I'll think of one later. So I, I really liked how you said you're charting that course. And so your children, um, again, have the decision whether to hang on to the rail when the storms and the waves are, are coming. So as long as you've set that foundation, and that is what a father does, setting the foundation of the home uh, in order to move your family forward. Santos? The father figure wasn't there, but I did have a, a stepdad that I didn't really talk too much, but he did show me responsibility, whether he was drinking that whole night or not, you know, he would always get up to go to work. So I think I took that away and staying responsible to any job that you might have and just do your best and strive to be the best in the job that you're at. Um, so I take pride in that to be where I'm at today. And uh, I just hope that it's influenced my kids because they're very responsible. I just I took that away from my dad. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Nate? Yeah, um, the word of God says, fathers, discipline your children. My dad took that word and ran with it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I, I, a lot of times it's for, my, for the good, but I, I'm joking. I'm, I want to take it from discipline as a disciplined lifestyle, um, just always being in the word. I would, uh, my dad would get up before everybody, uh, worship music would be on, and he'd be praying. And, you know, and then there's times that we would just see him on the couch or on the table and he had his books open and the word of God, obviously. So discipline, you know, as part of the lifestyle. Yeah. Sure, you better thank your son for not giving us the <laughs> scoop. All right. <laughs> All right. That we have uh, four, which is what father character do you most identify with and why? So I'm going to mention some characters. One, Tim, the tool time tailor, which is Tim Allen. Mufasa from the Lion King. Uncle Phil, fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Or Brian Mills uh, from Taken. I think we, like, imagine, I'm, I'm a, I got a baby girl, so you think, you know, you always hear the old Western movies and people are going to be cleaning out their shotgun and waiting for that guy to come to the house and ask for her to go out. But in all reality, thinking about it, I think I'm going to be, like, finding Nemo, you know, just chasing her around because I'm already chasing her around, around the house. So uh, just trying to direct her, playing catch-up, yeah. So finding Nemo, another character. All right. To Brian, I was a little protective. Um, we were actually very protective. We didn't let our kids go or spend the night anywhere. If anybody wanted to spend the night somewhere, we would actually ask them to ask their parents to come to our house. Um, but we'd like to find out, get a little understanding of who their friends were. So just uh, trying to trying to keep them closer to us at all times, um, no matter where we were. Uh, we kind of weren't parents that just let our kids go out and run around without us actually running after them. So I think uh, Brian, I'll take Brian. See, and I'm still scarred because my parents wouldn't let my brother and I also do uh, overnight stays at other places. So, uh, all right. No, but good. Thank you. Jesse? I would agree. I would be a Brian Mills type person. Um, watching Taken, you guys all have some of you that have watched it. Uh, you know, he he continues to tell his daughter, you know, you can't go to Europe on your own. It's dangerous over there, and gives all the reasons why. And he says, I know the world, and the world is rough. And that's kind of where I take my stance. Like, uh, I trust a lot, but um, well, anyways, um, I have a hard time. Uh, just like you were saying, with uh, I wouldn't let my kids go over other people's and uh, stay at their house unless we knew them for a long time. So if we knew them for a long time, that meant we had built relationships with them. We had an idea of what their values were, and we were comfortable with them, and we're like, okay, you can go spend the night over there. Um, but as I said earlier, I'm very loyal, and, and I'm very protective over my family. 
And so, for good or for bad, I mean, my kids, I mean, I remember wanting to spend the night over at someone's house as a kid, too. But my mom was, of course, the very same way. You're not going anywhere. You're going to stay right here. You have 12 other kids, or 11 other kids you could play with in the house, you know? So, uh, very protective over my kids. And so, I'd be that uh, Liam Neeson type guy that says, you know, I have a, a certain set of skills I have, right? You know, and uh, I said this at the Cutler Rossi campus that, you know, us Rodriguez, as we look mean already, the eyebrows do it. So it's not that I'm mean or scary. It's just, but I'll use them when I have to, my eyebrows. So. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. So we're going to go on to our next and last question. So the wives of these men up here, please cover your ears. Um, How has your wife helped you in your parenting? How has your wife helped you in your parenting? I'm new to this, so I haven't really got too far into it. But, you know, just working hand in hand, we help each other out. Um, Understanding that we play certain roles and uh, just, you know, communication and what's best for her and using our best wisdom as we can and praying for wisdom. Yeah. I like uh, what you shared because many times people often think that a relationship is 50-50. But it isn't always 50-50. Sometimes it's going to be 80-20. Sometimes it's going to be 40-60. And we're, we're there to help support each other so that we move the family along. All right. Santos? I believe it's trying to correct what we didn't do before. Um, so she's kind of a constant reminder of I need to talk to my kids. I need to be more part of what they're doing. Uh, just be more involved. So, yeah, just a constant reminder. She's a reason where I'm at today. So, sometimes I'm more stubborn than my kids to listen. So, <laughs> yeah, just a reminder. And I like how you say that correction. Because many times we think of correction as doing something bad, but we're correcting to get better. And so uh, thank you for, for sharing that and also accountability because we often need to have that accountability partner to make sure that you're uh, becoming the best version of yourself. So thank you. Jesse? I would agree that's a good word, stubborn. I'm, I could be very stubborn. And my wife balances me out and checks me and says, hey, you know, uh, you may be right in this, but the way you said it, you could have said it a little differently. And, uh, of course, I tell her, I don't think so. But then I stepped back, and I was like, you know what? She's, she's probably right. And you can imagine you have a stubborn father, and you have, you know, kids to take after their, their mom. I'm kidding. You know, we have a – every now and again, we, 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 you know, we hit the wall with each other. And um, my wife really does help. Um, we, as being that teammate together, we have um, the same – uh, like the same speech, if you you would say, the same words that we speak about each other. So she'll remind my kids about what dad does for them because I've heard her I've heard her telling them, you know, your dad does this, your dad does that, you know, and, and I really appreciate that um, because I think it does get into their mind and they they start to think about those things eventually. That hey, you know what he does do that, you know, he he does do those kind of things. Um, I actually have something I was going to read really quick because one of them sent me. Something that I said, you know what, this will help me exactly what I'm talking about. It says, I wish I could uh, be there to help celebrate. Thanks for all the hard work you do for our family. That's that's because she sees it, but because Kelly lets them know, hey, you know what, your dad works hard. He does. And then she said, uh, for being faithful and following Jesus. So that's, for me, that's awesome that they, they can see that in me. And then pointing us to him. That's another uh, legacy I, w- I would love to leave with my kids and for cheering me on all those years. So that's for all three of my kids that my hope has always been those things and that they see those things. And my wife points them all back to that to say he was there at that time. He was there at that time. He does this. He does that. And uh, I do the same thing for her when say, hey, don't treat your mom like that. You know, early on, we would, I would tell the kids, I'd say, hey, uh, if you ever uh, disrespect your mom, you disrespect me, and you're going get, to get it from me when I get home. Actually, it wasn't all the kids. It was just Nathaniel, but I didn't want to point him out. So 
Um, but those are, that's the way we work together on that. And he knows I'm playing with him, I think, right? You good? Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Affirmation is really a great thing. So I want to encourage all the wives out there, even the sons and daughters, affirming uh, the great things that your father or your husband has done goes a long way. So as we close, just want to share this. While we recognize that no one in attendance has ever had a perfect father, or in fact has never been a perfect father, it is still of vital importance that we take the time to applaud and encourage those who have endeavored to bring their children up in a way that honors God. Perhaps you're here today and your children have all grown, but the responsibility of continually praying for your sons or your daughters is one that simply does not go away. I want to thank you fathers up here for your commitment to family, to your children, and to our church. Thank you. Thank you so much. Give them another hand. They did a great job. Yeah. It's an honor to be a father. It really is. Um, And um, then when you get my age, you can also be a grandpa. And that's even, well, I can't say it's even better. But it is, so, and I am in the house of God, I can't lie, so it is better being a grandparent. Um, my parents, my, 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 my kids would attest that, you know, the way I deal with grandkids is different than I dealt with them growing up. And I just tell them, look, just like you, you grew up. I'm also, as a parent, I'm growing up. Now, but think about it this way. Your kids get to benefit from it. So be happy. Oh, I felt the anointing right there. Well, I want to share with you uh, on this Father's Day. I was been thinking about it during the week, and the question that would come up was, what is Father like? What is Father like? And so I'm going to focus on what, is father-like. In other words, what are the traits, the characteristics, the qualities that are father-like? For those of you that are parents and fathers, you know that being a parent and father can be an interesting and trying experience. Someone said that fathers spend the first part of a child's life urging them to walk and talk And the rest of the childhood telling him to sit down and keep quiet. (laughs) There was a son who was in college and he wrote home to his dad and he wrote this to his dad. Dear dad, please let me hear from you more often, even if it's only five and ten. Some of you will get it. Yeah, money, money, money. One day there was a woman that left her baby daughter in her husband's care while she was busy doing some work in another room. He immediately buried himself in his newspaper, and he forgot all about the baby until he heard a series of thumps followed by a horrendous cry. Instantly, he knew that the baby had fallen down the stairs. So he called out to his wife, Honey, come quick. Our little girl just took her first 24 steps. No, that's not good. (laughs) Now, what is it to be father-like? The Apostle Paul, he shared three father-like qualities in his first letter to the church in Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 11 and 12, we read this. For you know how, like a father with his children, notice, we exhorted each one of you, and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. So here, the Apostle Paul 
answers the question, what is father like? He points out first that a father is to be an exhorter. A father is to be an exhorter. The word that he uses here for exhort exhort is parakaleo, parakaleo. It means to call near, invite, invoke by imploration, hortation, or consolation. In other words, a father, he exhorts, he incites, he urges his children to move forward. A father uses his voice and his life to exhort his children to advance, to progress. A father uses his voice to instruct his children in the way that they should go, always pointing them forward. That's what Paul is saying. A father is to be an exhorter. Now, the story is told of a minister who is full of energy and enthusiasm for the Lord. One day he went to the hospital to visit one of his parishioners who was critically ill. The minister entered the room and he saw the man lying in bed with a whole host of tubes and uh, hoses or wires attached to his body. Without any delay, the minister, he, he, stood, uh, he stood there uh, by the bedside and he began to exhort this man to be of good cheer. Soon the man started to wave his arms. This encouraged the minister, so he exhorted him more and more enthusiastically. Finally, the minister ended his visit with a rather lengthy prayer. At the final amen, the minister opened his eyes just in time to see the man reach for a pad of paper and a pencil. Quickly, he wrote something and he handed it to the minister. Then the man turned his head and died. The minister was deeply moved to think that his visit to this man had occurred in the nick of time. Then he looked at the pad and he read these words. You are standing on my oxygen tube. Sometimes it is easy to misunderstand. This preacher was thinking, whoa, I'm really getting to him. Look at him. He's all excited while I'm exhorting him. And But I want you to understand that what this word exhort means, it's not to speak in a way that you're admonishing and urging somebody to do something while you're putting them down or pointing out all their faults. No, this word exhort means that you're speaking courage into somebody. I like to say this, exhortation is not meant to suck the life out of someone. Instead, it is meant to breathe life into someone. When Paul says exhort, like a father, he means that you're like a coach who you're trying to draw out what you see in that person that's playing for you. You don't do it by putting them down, but you do it by pointing to them. Hey, there's more in you. I see more in you. I see that you have the ability to be able to move faster. Or I see that you have the ability to be able to carry out this play more effectively. And as fathers, we are called to exhort our children by letting them know, hey, I see in you more. I see that you are more valuable than that. I see that you have more potential in you. As fathers, we're called to exhort. And also as fathers, it is important that in our exhorting our children, we remind them of the importance of being peacemakers and not troublemakers. In Spanish, it's called busca pleitos, someone that's looking for a fight. No, we, call, we encourage our children, we exhort them to be peacemakers. In one of Aesop's fables, he describes an old man who had several sons who were always falling out with one another. They were always in conflict with one another. He had often, but to no purpose, exhorted them to live together in harmony, but to no avail. One day, he called them together. And he gathered a bundle of sticks and he tied them together and he asked each one of them to try to break them. Each one tried as hard as they could, but none of them could break the bundle of sticks. Then the father cut the cord that he had tied them together with and he told his sons to break them separately. This was done with the greatest ease. And then the old man said, see my sons, the power of unity. 
And this is why it is important as fathers that we show our children and encourage them to live in harmony, to live in unity, to make their lives count by not being a troublemaker, but being a peacemaker. Because Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Because they will be called the children of God. We need to exhort our children and say, hey, look, don't live your life to cause trouble, but invest your life to bring about harmony, to do that which will promote peace. Why? Because that's how you reflect more the character of the heavenly father now it is important that as fathers we exhort our children we see this in the life of king david before his passing he called his son solomon and he gave him these instructions in first kings 2 1 through 4 it says as the time of king david's death approached he gave this charge to his son solomon i am going where everyone on earth must someday go take courage and be a man Observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep the decrees, commands, regulations, and laws written in the law of Moses so that you, notice, will be successful in all you do and wherever you go. If you do this, then the Lord will keep the promise he made to me. He told me, if your descendants live as they should and follow me faithfully with all their heart and soul, one of them will always sit on the throne of Israel. Fathers, it is our responsibility to exhort our children to walk in the ways of the Lord. It's our responsibility to to exhort our children to walk according to the word of the Lord. We need to let our sons and daughters know, you really want to be successful? Then here's the key to success. It's following God. You can do your own thing and you can have temporary success, but eventually it will come to nothing. It will burn to ashes. But if you go with God, you live according to his word, it doesn't matter how difficult life becomes. You stick to the word of God. The God of the word will stick with you. And ultimately the success you have will not be able to be burned. But it will be proven to be lasting and enduring. If you follow God, you will have peace that passes all understanding. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. And life more abundantly. We need to exhort our children in the ways of the Lord. and the word of God. And show them that's where true success is found. So a father is to be an exhorter. Secondly, a father is to be an encourager. A father is to be an encourager. This is an interesting word. Parathéomai is the word here for encourage. It means to speak, to address one, whether by way of admonition and incentive, or to calm and console. William Ward once said this, Flatter me, and I may not believe you. Criticize me. And I may not like you. Ignore me. And I may not forgive you. Encourage me. And I will not forget you. There's power in encouragement. Now I want to encourage fathers. Encourage your children. You know what it means to encourage? It means to put courage into. It means to put courage into. How do you do that? With your words. You remind your children that God is faithful. You remind your children that in your hard times you've seen God prove himself true. You remind your children that no matter what they go through, that it doesn't matter how many times they've fallen, they can get up once again. I remember a season in my life. You see, when, when, when I was 17 going on 18, I was about to be 18 years of old, age, uh, 18 years old is when my father passed away. My dad died at 39 years of age. And, 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 and so now I'm beginning my journey into adulthood, but I felt like I'm missing out of the direction and the encouragement I need during this time that is critical in my life. I'm about to step into adulthood and I don't know how I'm going to navigate through this. I wish I had my dad here. And I remember there was a season after I come back to the Lord, I, I, I felt like a failure. I felt like, man, I can't continue on. I've already started my walk with God, but I've blown it. And I I remember I had a cassette of my dad preaching and it was a cassette of him when he was preaching and I put it into a cassette recorder, cassette player. I know you, 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 this generation doesn't know what I'm talking about. There's this machine you used to have and he had, he had these rectangular things you put in and you press play and it would come out. Okay. So I, 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 I was listening to this message and I remember my dad saying this. He said, you may fall 999 times, but you can get up again because it doesn't matter how many times you fall, God is able and willing to restore you. I needed that word and even though he was dead and gone, that word from him reminding me that God is a restorer, it gave me the impetus to try again. Fathers, your words matter. Speak courage into your children. 
It was on March 23rd, 1945, during one of the last offenses or major offenses of World War II. General Dwight Eisenhower was walking near the Rhine River, and he fell into step beside a young infantryman. The young G.I. seemed depressed, and Ike asked him, How are you feeling, son? He responded by saying, General, I'm nervous. I don't feel so good. And Eisenhower replied, Well, you and I are a good pair then, because I'm nervous too. Maybe... If we just walk along together to the river, we'll be good for each other. I like that. Fathers, not only can you encourage your children through your words, you can encourage them by walking with them when they're going through a difficult time in their lives. You can encourage them by letting them know, I see what you're going through, and I want you to know I'm just here to be your walking partner. And together we'll walk through this, and together we'll see ourselves through this, because God is faithful and God is true. Fathers, we are called to be encouragers in our children's lives. A word of encouragement, somebody said, during failure is worth more than a dictionary of praise after success. There was a study done by psychologist Dr. Henry H. Goddard on energy levels in children. He used an Instagram, uh, an instrument rather, he called the ergograph. However, got children to stand still long enough to connect them to the machine is a mystery. But he did. And his findings are fascinating. He found, watch this, that when ch- tired children are given a word of praise or encouragement, the ergograph Ergograph shows an immediate upward surge of new energy. When the children are criticized and discouraged, the ergograph shows their physical energy take a sudden nosedive. Those results could probably be duplicated in adults. When we are praised, our energy level goes up. When we are criticized, our energy levels go down. I say that to say to us fathers, you and I are instrumental in determining whether our children will experience a boost or a bust. You and I, our words can cause them to go up or our words can cause them to go down. We, death and life, the Bible says, are in the power of the tongue. And this brings me to the third thing a father is like. A father is to be a testifier. A father is to be a testifier. This word means to be a witness. That is, testify, literally or figuratively. It means to charge, to give evidence, to bear record. Uh, Fathers, listen to me. Testifying will help keep your children in the way. Not testifying will cause them to go astray or lose their way. It is important that fathers, those of us that have been walking with God, that we testify to our children of our experiences with God. It is important that if God's ever healed your body, you tell your children, the Lord is a healer. If God's ever helped you through a trying time, you tell your children, God is faithful to help you through trial, trouble, and tribulation. If God's ever brought you out of depression, for God's sake, testify to your children that you can't be so low that God cannot reach you and pick you up and lift you even further than you thought possible. It is important to testify to our children. In fact, the scripture tells us in Psalm 145 verse 4, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. You see, the reason why Pastor Angel is determined, the reason why I'm enthusiastic, the reason why I've been able to make it through tough times in my life is because I had a father that showed me by example that even when cancer is racking your body, God can still help you to continue looking to Him and trusting Him and worshiping Him. You see, I still remember the day that I went with my father, the last preaching engagement that he had outside of our local church in San Jose, California. He was so sick, I had to drive him to get to that preaching meeting. And I remember my daddy behind a pulpit preaching the Word of God. And halfway during his sermon, he had to excuse himself because the medication that he was taking was was making him nauseous. So he had to excuse himself. 
himself. He went back to the restroom and he relieved himself. And then he came back and he told them, put a chair up there. I'm weak, but put a chair up there because I'm going to finish the sermon I'm preaching right now. I learned through him that no matter what you're going through, you can keep going. God is faithful. And he testified through his life to me that no matter what you're going through, if you look to God, he will help you accomplish what he's called you to do regardless of how you're feeling. So I'm saying to you today, fathers, don't you be silent. Don't you be quiet. Don't you let this secular society tell you you can't testify of who God is. No, yes, you can. You tell your children how great is our God. You tell your children he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. He alone is worthy of our devotion and our submission. Testify. There's a passage in the Word of God that to me is one of the saddest passages in God's Word. It's found in Judges chapter 2, verses 7 through 10. Judges 2, 7 through 10 says, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in timnath Heres in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountains of Gaash. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And then watch what the last verse says. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. You've heard me say it here at CWC Life CV. We are one generation away from extinction. This is why it is important that we testify. This is why it is important that we not be silent. We need to continue to share the word of God, the whole counsel of God with the next generation. Fathers, open your mouth and tell your children the word of God, the ways of the Lord, the will of God as found in his word. The Bible says that before God sent judgment to Sodom and Gomorrah, God felt compelled to let Abraham know what he was going to do. Why did he feel compelled to tell Abraham what he was going to do? The Bible tells us why in Genesis 18:19. This is what God testified of Abraham. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. The reason why God told Abram what he was going to do was because God knew Abraham would not be quiet in leading his children in the ways of the Lord. God knew that Abraham would be faithful to charge his children to walk in the ways of the Lord. And I'm saying to us fathers that are here, we have the responsibility. We are accountable to command our children in the ways of the Lord, to speak into them. This is the way. Walk in it. It is important that we do that. Why? Because there's a blessing in obedience to God. And it is important that we tell our children, look, there's two ways, truth or consequences. Truth or consequences. God will always bring His truth to bear. He will always reveal His truth because He loves you. He will always show you the way that is right because He cares for you. And He wants you to have a fruitful and fulfilling life. But also, if you choose to reject His truth, you'll not experience freedom. You'll experience consequences. And that consequence is bondage. That consequence is separation from God, where now you're walking independently, doing the best with what you can do, instead of having the assurance of having God do what only He can do in your life. It is important, fathers, that we share the truth with our children and let them know that it is God's truth that marches on. I don't care what this world is saying today. I don't care what the media is saying today. There is not your truth. There is not my truth. There's only God's truth. And we need to communicate that to our children. There's only one sure foundation, firm foundation, that will help you in any storm to remain standing. It's the truth of God. I know it's Father's Day and we're supposed to have a nice little sermon now. One of my heroes is Winston Churchill. This past week I read something that was interesting about Winston Churchill and his dad. What I read was this. Winston Churchill's father was jealous of Winston. He couldn't speak a kind word to him and even wouldn't speak a kind word of him no matter how successful Winston 
became. Churchill, the greatest leader of, that, of the day, in his book, The Last Lion, he says, I would rather have been an apprentice for a bricklayer or run errands as a messenger boy or dress the windows in the local shops if I could have had the support of my father. You see, his greatest enemy and critic was his own father. And he never understood his father's jealousy. I want to encourage every father here today to be your child's number one encourager. When you find them flat on their face, remind them, you're not finished. You be the one that sees them through when others say they're through. You be the one that walks in when everybody else has walked out and you speak into them and say, you can get up again. You can still rise. You can still go forward. And then I want to invite every man here, every father, to be a man of prayer. Christian fathers need to pray for their children. Why? When we pray for our children, we are asking God to help guide and protect beyond our abilities to do so. The truth is all human fathers have limits. But our Heavenly Father is not limited by any means. Abba Father, Heavenly Father, is all-knowing omniscient, all-powerful, omnipotent. And He is everywhere at all times, omnipresent. And when we pray, we are entrusting into His hands what our hands cannot accomplish. When we pray, we are transferring from our hands to His hands in acknowledgement that He's greater, He's stronger, He's wiser. Then, what happens is, when we pray to Him, He helps us. He helps us in our helplessness. And He gives us hope in our uncertainties. And then He helps us to train up our children in the way that they should go. He'll do that for us. So today I want to say to every father, thank you. For saying yes to God and saying, Lord, here I am. Use my life. And for you, I know your heart. You look back, you say the years. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. But God's promise to you is, I will restore to you the years that have been eaten away. I'm going to accelerate in you. Your learning curve. You're going to know how to lead. You're going to learn how to be the father that you wish you would have been. You're going to be more effective and productive than you ever thought you could be. Because my hand is upon you. And my hand's on you because your heart is set on me. And I show myself strong to those whose heart is set toward me. Stretch out your hand. Father, I believe your word to Santos. And I pray right now a freshness of endowment of power over his mind and his heart. I thank you that through the spirit of wisdom and revelation, you are going to empower him to be that father that his heart yearns and longs to be and that in spite of the time that has been lost your redeeming time <laughs> and your restoring even beyond to confirm 
that no matter what kind of work the devil thought he could do against Santos, the work you're doing for him will outdo it. (laughs) And so I thank you for your wisdom being imparted to your son. And I thank you that by your spirit, not only are you healing his heart, but you're equipping his heart to be the father that he longs to be to his children. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Nate, would you come on up here? And Jesse, I want you to come and join me in praying for my son. You got to know this is not scripted. I didn't plan this. This wasn't even in my notes. But when the Spirit moves me, I'm not afraid to move. Because he does a better job. Amen. He's the lifter of our heads. That means he elevates us to the position he saw we could be at. And that regardless of what has transpired here, he's still going to lift us here. You have risen up time and time again. One more time than you've fallen. And God is now lifting you. And I'm going to believe right now as we lay hands on you that what God has put on your life, it's going to come forth in authority and power. Father, I thank you for my son. I'm proud of the spirit of determination that I've seen demonstrated through him. I thank you that you've given me as a father the opportunity to see my son grow as an adult. And even as he's adulting, I'm so proud of the maturity that I'm seeing unfold. And I thank you that you're the lifter up of his head. You're what he's going to boast and what he boasts and glories in. And therefore, I declare according to the authority of your word, you will elevate him to where you've positioned him for. I thank you that no weapon formed against him will prosper. I thank you that you are a shield around him and that you surround him with favor as with the shield. I thank you that all the days of his life he will know your abounding grace and have sufficiency for all things. I thank you that he has more than my DNA. He has your DNA. Therefore, he's unstoppable through you. And the impossible will be made possible through you, Lord, working in him. I thank you that you work in him both to will and to do of your good pleasure according to your word. I give you praise for that, Lord. And I thank you that he will do greater works through your greater anointing. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me have every father stand. Every father stand right now. You are the history maker. In fact, you're the history changer. When I see Santos, when I see my son, I see Jesse who were up here sharing, I think about history is changing for their seed, for their children, because they made up their minds. We will walk in his ways. And each one of you, your hearts are set on God. And now I'm going to pray for His favor on you. Father, I thank You for these fathers. I pray You surround them 
embrace them through your power that would empower them to be history makers and change the history. Yes. Lord, I declare your grace, your mercy upon each one of these fathers. And I pray that through your abounding grace, you give them sufficiency for all things. And I thank you, God, that they are truly mighty men of valor and value. And that, God, what you've set in their hearts, they will pursue through your strength. And it will lead to fruitfulness in their families. I thank you, Father, that there's fathers standing right now who have made the choice. I'm not staying stuck in where I've been. I'm going to where God says I can go. And I pray you give them the resolve through strengthening strengthening them with strength in their soul to do so in Jesus' name.